Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> I'll give you a fair warning that my voice might give out as we go through this. Um, and then anybody that wants to volunteer, come up, take over. You're on. Uh, we had Medina midweek here Wednesday, and I could feel it starting. And so ended up going, getting antibiotics, and no, I don't have COVID, so don't run from me. Uh, but I've uh, been dealing with antibiotics last, th took my fourth one this morning, and it's still, you can hear it, or I can hear it's still there. Uh, Brenna's on breathing treatments. We just have a great place at our house right now, um, but we're getting healthier. So hopefully <clears throat> this will uh, pull back, and God will allow my voice to stay with me as we go through this this morning. It was all the way back in 19... 77. I was a sophomore in high school, and I met the girl of my dreams in church. I was singing in the choir. I had this big bushy fro, and I saw her out where you guys are. And I thought, that's it. Her name, Brenna Dodrell. I knew when I saw her and I met her that one day, even though I was a sophomore in high school, I would marry her, and it happened. Back in those days, I don't know if you remember, but we had class rings, and they were expensive at that time. I had a gold one. How many had one? A right, bunch of us. And to pledge our devotion to our girlfriend that we were going together and it was serious, we would give her that ring. Then she would wrap some fuzzy stuff around it. I don't know, alligator or huh? Angora. Angora. And it would fit her finger and it would to stay on that finger. Well, Brenna went to band camp at West Liberty University in West Virginia. She was there for a week. No cell phones at that time, believe it or not. She came home, and she informed me that she lost my ring somewhere in the field at West Liberty. Should have been a clue to me that 40-some years later, she'd still be losing stuff. They searched the field, and it was nowhere to be found. Do you ever feel like in life you're searching for something and it just seems like it's nowhere to be found? You know it's out there and you just keep searching, but you've yet to find it. Remember the words to the old U2 song, I still haven't found what I'm looking for? And at some point you think, maybe I never will. If you're here last week, you know we started a two-week series in the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. We're going back there again today in chapter 1. And Solomon's going to talk to us about this search. A search that goes on in life to find the meaning of what's truly valuable in life. His search takes him down a number of paths. 
a lot of them the same paths that you and I go through and go down today. But at each of these paths, he finds a dead end. He doesn't find what he's looking for. He acquires a lot. He's extremely successful. And he writes to us as someone who had heard it all, someone who had seen it all, and someone who had experienced all the pleasures this world has to offer. And he says, this isn't it. This isn't it. I need to keep searching. And that can be hard for us in life because many people shape their lives around what the world says is important, on what the world says has meaning. And Solomon takes each of those paths and he says, whoa, this isn't it. And that's tough. It's hard if you've committed your life to something and someone tells you, no, that's not it. You've missed it. If you're an entrepreneur whose business is growing, if you're a vice president who's next in line, if you're a college student who has just graduated, if you're a husband who's working 60 plus hours a week just to get ahead, if you're a wife who's pouring themselves into their home, to their family, or even if you're the person who goes out on the weekend and parties and drinks and tries to find pleasure. Solomon says, been there, done that. There's nothing to see here. Keep searching. This isn't it. In Ecclesiastes 1, he describes what life feels like when you haven't found what you're looking for. Chapter 1, verse 2, he makes this point. This is the way he puts it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. That's how he refers to it all. Life is utterly meaningless. And he comes right out with it. In journal entry number one, he's not full of hope. He's not full of optimism. He says, here's my conclusion. I've seen it all. I've done it all. I've heard it all. And in one word, he describes it as what? Meaningless. I love to pull up behind cars and pay attention to their bumper stickers. Uh, and I'll never forget pulling up behind an SUV one time, and it had a window sticker. And on the back window, it only had one word. This was it. Is there a picture? There it is. Whatever. Whatever. That's not a bad paraphrase for the word meaningless. Whatever. Life. Whatever. Not much has changed between the time of Solomon and now. Whatever. It's all meaningless. Secondly, he says life feels tiring. Verses 3 through 7, he writes... What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. 
The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. His conclusion? Man, I'm tired. I'm tired. And some of you understand that. You work and you work and you work and you work. And as Emily said in a great way, you say, I'm fine. I'm fine. But you are tired. You're wore out. Solomon uses the cycles of nature to describe what's true about our lives talks about the rotation of the earth. He talks about the pattern of the weather, giving us examples of this circle that goes on and on. And we're running and we're running and we're running on this treadmill of life. And we're going so fast, as fast as we can. We've got plenty of sweat flowing, but we don't feel like we're getting anywhere. I read an article in Men's Health magazine. It talked about long-distance runners how they can run further outside than they can inside. Any runners here? One. Wow, two, two. Ex explains why we don't like to run, right? But they say they can run further outside than they can inside on a treadmill. You think, well, the treadmill is supposed to be easier on your joints, doesn't hurt as much. But they say on the treadmill, it doesn't feel like they're getting anywhere. When they go outside and run, it feels like they're getting somewhere. They're going to a destination. And much like that is what happens in life. It's this treadmill where we keep going and going and going. And sometimes we look and say, you know, where have I gotten? Business Week did a survey in the workplace to find out the number one answer to the question, how do you feel? How do you feel? The number one answer, I feel tired. Tired. I feel tired. Anybody feel tired today? Come on, fess up. Yeah. Don't say I'm fine. Yeah. Tired. Because we work and we work and we work. We go home and we work and we work and we work and we go so fast and eventually we think, where am I getting? And we're just plain wore out. Solomon says that's a symptom that you're not chasing the right thing. That you're not after and living for the right thing. Third, he says, life feels unsatisfying when you don't know what you're living for. The Living Bible paraphrases verse 8 and 9. It says, no matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. History merely repeats itself. And he wrote those words before iPhones and the Internet, satellite TV. What happens at night? Well, many people, when they go home at night, they turn on the TV and we have hundreds and hundreds of channels now or subscriptions that we can um, have in our homes for our television. And you go through that and you're like, 
And what do you say? <laughs> There's nothing on. Nothing on. In our house, I, I hit five, six, and we just watch Fox News till we can't watch it no more. Or maybe you get on the internet, turn the TV off. I'll just surf the internet. You get on there. You're on there for an hour or something. You get off, you think, what have I really accomplished tonight? Nothing. Nothing. Our eyes have never been offered more. Our ears have never been offered more. Yet we're still hungry. I mean, there's this buffet in front of us every day that gives us all of this stuff. And yet we have a deeper thirst today in our lives for something that matters than we ever have before. Solomon says life just feels unsatisfying. And if it does, you're pursuing the wrong thing. So if you're taking notes, you're paying attention this morning, here's what we've learned so far. Recap. Life feels meaningless. Life feels unsatisfying. Life feels tiring. Aren't you glad you showed up today? Right? Talking about an encouraging message, right? What's Solomon doing? Well, he's helping us to understand <clears throat> that we need something more in our lives. And to do that, first we need to realize in this search that our lives are missing something. We're missing something. If you're going to search for something, you need to realize there's something missing in your life. A lot of people just accept life as normal and they go on. They just endure it, whatever, whatever. Someone says, no, 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 no. This life is not normal. This is not what you were created for. This is not what you were created to live for because there's something missing in your life and you won't start searching for it until you're convinced, man, there's something that's not right here. There's something missing. And so we start to search, not accepting the satisfaction of this world as a cheap imitation of the life we were meant to find in Jesus Christ. Here's what Solomon says. Solomon creates this appetite for something more. He says, listen, if you're feeling unsatisfied in life, if you're kind of wondering what's the point of it all, if you just in general feel tired, then maybe it's because you're not living for the right thing. And the search begins to find out what's missing. The next part of the search is that you look for what's missing. First, you got to admit there's something not right. There's something that's missing. And then you have to look for it. Back to my class ring. Two years passed. Now a senior in high school, Brenna and I are still together. No ring. No ring. No sight of it. We even went to West Virginia and looked in the field, but couldn't find it. Then we finally gave up hope that we would ever find that ring. 
We can't think, quit thinking about it and just gave in. Maybe you're at that point. You've been searching, you've been searching. You're just plain so tired of searching that you're just ready to throw in the towel. You're so thirsty for something that matters. You think, I tried everything. And while I might quench my thirst for a moment, it always comes back. So you just start accepting, that's my life. I'm just going to call off the search. The scripture says that God has set eternity in the hearts of men. Here's something that you got to get this. God has set eternity in the hearts of men. In other words, God has made you and I with a deep inner desire that can ultimately never be satisfied here in this world. Get that? There is a deep desire inside of us that this world cannot fulfill. We try relationship after relationship and we end up disappointed. We try to quench that thirst with money, with material possessions, with fame. You fill in the blank. But we always want a little bit more. We realize something's missing. And at some point, we begin this desperate search in life to fill that void. But it's not here. Ecclesiastes, that's what it's all about. Solomon journaling all these searches to find the missing piece in his life. Verse 14 of chapter 1. This is a key verse in the chapter. Remember this. He gives this conclusion. He says, I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are what? Meaningless. A chasing after the wind. I'm going to spend a few minutes breaking some of this apart as we wrap this up. Key words, key phrases. Some of you understand some of the frustration that he's talking about. If you're the type of person who is always losing your cell phone, losing your keys, you know, you're always searching for something, you kind of can get the frustration here. He says it's like chasing after the wind. You never catch it. He expresses the frustration of life a little more poetically in verse 15. He says, what is twisted cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. A couple of pictures come to my mind as he writes this. One is something that you and I will be dealing with soon. Soon we'll be going into the attic or in the basement or out in the garage. We'll pull out a box and it'll look something like this. Right? How's that happen? It's like someone goes in the garage or basement or attic every year and just goes to play with us, to mess with us, right? And no matter how hard you try to untangle those Christmas lights, they just get more tangled. And eventually, if you're like me, you know, I'm going to Walmart. Yeah, I can buy them as much frustration as it's going to cause me. I'm just getting new ones. 
tangled up mess. He puts it this way. He says, what is lacking cannot be counted. The second phrase. Picture here is you go to the store and buy a brand new puzzle. You bring it home. It's still in the box. You lay it out carefully. You put the puzzle together. And after you get the puzzle together, it was a brand new box. There's a missing piece. It was never in the box to begin with. You did everything you could, but it's nowhere to be found. They forgot to put the piece in the box. Someone says, that's what life is like. You're trying to find what's missing under the sun, and you're not going to find this piece because it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist here on earth. And there's a frustration in that. Sometimes if you get the chance, go to a bookstore and just pay attention to the covers of magazines. Or if you're checking out in line, read through the covers of some magazines. Look at those magazines. Because what those front covers do is they try to lure us in to some secret in life. Something that's missing in your life or in my life. I kept track of some of these. One article said, how to radiate assurance and self-esteem. Okay? People read that and think, well, maybe that's what I need. I need to radiate some assurance and self-esteem. I sat down, read that in the aisle for a little bit. But I felt pretty insecure about it, you know? Another article, Six Steps to Happiness Guaranteed. Opened that up, didn't feel much happier. Another article said, it was a fitness magazine, how to have rock-hard abs. See, that one didn't work. Another one said, how to drive your man wild. I gave that one to Breno. One out of four is not bad, you know? No. But they say, here's what you're missing. Here's what you're missing in life. Here's the secret to success. Here's the secret of love. This is what's missing in your life. And if you just take this, if you just find this, you'll be satisfied. Maybe you'll be fulfilled. Maybe your life will have meaning. Maybe you'll find the missing piece. The world says they know what's missing. They know. And it's constantly being offered to us in different choices. And if you're not careful, you'll fall for it. Solomon said, no, listen. It's all a chasing after the wind. And so we find the search continues. Back to the ring one more time. It's now late in 1979, end of my senior year of high school, and I get called to the principal's office, and I just start shaking. We just had senior skip day. I don't know if they still do that, but back then it was a serious day. 
we had just, all the seniors had just skipped school. And I thought, man, they caught me. <laughs> I'm in deep weeds. And so I go into the principal's office, and by the way, at that time, they were still warming our, yeah. I think, man, I'm, I'm going to count the deer in the picture, and I'm, I go in there, and the secretary says, Jeff, I want to ask you about something. And she pulls out this box. She opens it up, and she says, is this yours? I went, what? What? She said, it has your name engraved on the inside. Did you lose this? I said, well, I didn't lose it. And all these years later, I haven't gotten rid of it, haven't sold it, because it means something. We've given up. But the celebration and the excitement we had, <laughs> this thing, this ring turned up, I can't explain it. That story is 100% true. It really did happen. There's something exciting about searching for something and searching for something, giving up finding it, and giving up hope, but then all of a sudden, you find it, and it turns your life upside down. People all across this world are sitting in services, worship services, just like you today. And they're going to experience Jesus. Maybe for the first time, but maybe they'll discover something brand new because there's always something new to learn and experience in a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you read through the book of Ecclesiastes, it's written inductively. And what that means is it doesn't reach its conclusion until the very last chapter of the book. And in chapter 12, the last two verses, after saying, this isn't it, this isn't it, after saying, meaningless, everything is meaningless, he finally says in the last two verses of the last chapter, this is it. He says, this is my conclusion. This is what's missing that cannot be, what's missing cannot be found under the sun. Instead, he says, paraphrase, the whole duty, the whole purpose of man is God. Is God. You were created for a relationship with the one who created the universe. That's why you're here. On the surface, this message may seem like it's for someone who is not a believer. But it's much deeper than that. 
Because in today's world, there are so many believers that try to live with one foot pursuing what the world offers and the other foot pursuing what God offers. And in that split life, you're never going to find the satisfaction that is only found in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You'll never find it. So the invitation of Solomon So you know what? I'm going to totally surrender. I'm going to give it all. I'm going to be sold out. None of this one foot here, one foot there. I'm going all in. I'm going all in. There's a prayer that was written over 1,500 years ago by Augustine, and it simply said this. He said to God, Our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. Stand with me. Let's read that together. Read that with me. Our hearts. Psalmist says you won't find it under the sun. 1 John chapter 5 verse 12 simply says, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. That's all the searching you need to do. That's all the searching you need to do. Father, we thank you so much for the life that you give us in your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, I don't know the condition that we find ourselves, each one of us in our hearts in this room this day. God, it may be we came in here saying, I'm fine, I'm fine, or whatever. Oh, God, we just may be just plain tired. Ultimately, God, we know the only thing in this life that gives us meaning, that gives us energy, that gives us satisfaction, that gives us purpose is relationship with you. And so, God, if there's someone here this morning that has never taken that step, God, I pray they let one of us here on this stage know, you know, tell me more about this relationship with Jesus. I I need to find it. Or, God, maybe there's someone in this room that is living with one foot, trying to find life, trying to find it in this world and the other foot pursuing a relationship with your son. God, I pray they go all in. I pray that they would go all in and realize that that, that is where life is found. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.